Toastmasters, would-be Toastmasters listeners and friends, you are most welcome to the Talk Show for Talkers here on irishtalkers.com. Our email address is info at irishtalkers.com and we do love to hear from you. You can either send us an email or you can send a message or <laughs> leave a message on our Facebook page, The Talk Show for Talkers. You can also listen to our archive for the last eight years. Gosh, that's a long time, isn't it? On our website, which is www.irishtalkers.com. My name is Moira O'Brien, and I'm joined this week only by the potential Paul Imani. <laughs> listeners, I want to assure you that this is actually Paul Imani. This is not an artificial intelligence, a potential intelligence. This is a real human being. Well, on that subject, we might actually be touching on artificial intelligence later on in the podcast. Paul, however, has uh, decided that he's going to talk today about making your club meetings welcoming, inclusive and accessible to all. And of course, we'll have a word of the day as well. At the end of the show, I will be talking a little bit about artificial intelligence. Paul, I like the idea of being welcoming. I definitely like the idea of being inclusive. And as to accessibility, well, accessibility sometimes is an issue, isn't it, for us? So tell me what your thoughts are. Well, I'm very glad, Moira, that you've allowed me to do a three-hour episode on these topics because they definitely need to be addressed thoroughly. So three hours on the question of welcoming inclusivity and accessibility could be helped by having a look at Toastmaster magazine in the month of May. But listeners, I'm going to specialise. I'm going to specialise on my hearing aid. I'm wearing half a hearing aid today. Moira, have you ever worn a hearing aid? Paul, I wear two hearing aids, which means that I don't wear half a hearing aid. I don't wear one hearing aid. I actually wear two. <laughs> well, that means, of course, that your hearing is twice as good as mine, which is fair enough. Now, I want to say something about the Toastmasters commitment to being welcoming, inclusive and accessibility first, because there I detect, shall we say, an increase of evidence that at the highest level in Toastmasters, there is a wish to celebrate and include and involve people of all types. Some of the people who come to our meetings are what we would call over here in Ireland, hard of hearing. They are people whose hearing is not as strong as other people. And the question is really, how on earth can you possibly be especially welcoming and inclusive and accessible to people like that when they don't come into the meeting with a big sign saying, hard of hearing? In fact, it turns out that according to the research which is reported in Toastmaster magazine, only one person in five of those who need hearing aids actually have them. Let's uh, me summarize for you some of the advice that's given in the article. And let's imagine you're at a club meeting in person. Everyone's in the room. 
somebody comes in, sits down, and they are a visitor. And you're the club president. What can you do to make it easy for them to find what's going on at the meeting accessible? Now, you obviously have to be very nice to them. That's uh, to everybody that's being welcoming. But how can you include people and enable people to feel they're in the right place if you don't know whether they're hard of hearing? Well, number one, you do, according to the advice, need to be visible. You need to make your own face visible. And that means you've got to take your hands down from your mouth and stop covering up your mouth. Stop putting your little finger across your lips. Start, start being looking at people straight in the face. You need to have good lighting in the room because many people whose hearing, let's say, isn't that great, they judge uh, or they understand what you're saying by other means. In addition to whatever sound they can hear, they judge by your lips, they judge by your jaws, they judge by the expression on your face. And that's how they get access to your meaning. And the article is very useful from that point of view. It provides a goodly number of tips on what you can do. One of the things is that you can speak the other, the person's name. That will immediately alert them, of course, to the fact that you're speaking to them. You can minimize all other noises in the room. Because the less noisy the room is, the more easy it is to distinguish what is being said. You can stop muttering. You can stop talking too quickly. Speak very clearly. Speak at moderate speed, not too slow, definitely not too fast. And be distinct in your pronunciation. If you need to repeat something because it looks like as if or else you're told that the person hasn't understood. Don't simply repeat what you said already. Rephrase it. There we are. There's some of the tips that you find in there. There are things that can help when you're online as well. So this is also covered in the article. And one of them is, for example, that on Zoom, you can have automatic speech recognition. This is a form of transcription that the person who is paying attention to the meeting can see the meeting transcribed in front of them. There's another thing called closed captioning in which a person can see subtitles. Above all, it's very useful for the club president or the presiding officer at the beginning of the meeting to make a special request that everybody at the meeting should leave their screens on and should be well lit. Because that makes it much easier for everybody to understand and hear properly everything that's going on. Having a good microphone is essential. Now, people who speak English as their second language or third language are also in the same position they may very well find it difficult to distinguish what people are saying. Again, speaking very rapidly doesn't help them. Speaking with a very strong accent that the other people are not familiar with. There's another challenge, isn't it? 
because it takes a while to get used to people who speak in an accent you haven't heard recently. I went to Mid-Ulster Toastmasters Club during the week, and I haven't been in Northern Ireland for quite a while. So I'm not used to a number of the accents from Northern Ireland, and I found myself struggling at the meeting to understand what was being said. I was offered a table topic. The person called out the table topic twice, and I still had to say, would you mind saying that topic again? And it wasn't to do with the fact that I was unable to hear. It was to do with my ear wasn't tuned into their accent. These are all things that need to be considered if your club is going to be truly welcoming, truly welcoming. And if your club isn't truly welcoming, well, people aren't going to join. That's the bottom line, isn't it? If you want people to join your club, you need to make it as easy as possible for them to follow everything that's going on. And at this time of the year, when we're making that big effort to make sure that our club finishes distinguished and we need one, two, three, four extra members, being welcoming, inclusive, and making sure that everything is accessible is a very good move because you will not know who in the room is finding it hard to understand and follow what's going on. You will not know. And it's well worth remembering that there is only one way to make sure that you're going to be truly welcoming. And that is to act as if everybody in the room might find it hard to understand what's going on unless you speak clearly, slowly, in good light, and looking at the person you want to communicate with. Now there, Moira, what about your two hearing aids? Have they helped you uh, hear what I was saying? Yes, of course, Paul, because they... Well, the hearing that I have lost is the upper registers. So when somebody is speaking at a low register, uh, generally speaking, male voices, I can hear pretty well without my hearing aids. But female voices, which tend to be higher... Guys, I tend to lose bits of. But with my hearing aids, it's, I guess, it pretty well back to normal. Of course, the worst thing is that when a battery runs out in the middle of a speech, <laughs> and then it does take a, a minute or two to <laughs> replace the battery so that I can then continue to hear properly. But generally speaking, that's, uh, that doesn't happen too often, I'm glad to say. I think we should stress that this episode of Talk Show for Talkers has not been sponsored by the manufacturers of hearing aids. Very true. Very true. If it was, we would, of course, be loading them from here to kingdom come. Paul, do you have a word possibly for this week? Ah, and you've just dropped it. Oh, did I? Lord. Isn't that, isn't that strange? Now, yes. Laud, L-A-U-D, is a word you might find well worth learning. It's both a verb and a noun. It's more usually used as a verb, as in, well, that speaker deserves to be lauded for the way in which they praised the previous speaker. I wish to laud the Toastmaster for the excellent way in which he or she spoke clearly. So, Laud, L-A-U-D, 
it means to praise. And it's a variation on the idea. So you could use both the word Lord, which isn't a very common word, we'll say, or isn't used that frequently, and praise in successive sentences so that you would communicate the idea of what Lord means by using the word praise as well. Lord is also a noun, but very, very unusual. So you could say, well, we gave her an awful lot of Lord, but I wouldn't advise you to do that. I think it's better to use it as a verb. Now, Moira, I got a question for you. Can you give me, without thinking very hard, a couple of synonyms for Lord? Praise. Very good. Congratulate. Well, let's say applaud. Applaud, yes. Yes, very good. Yes, yes. applaud. Well, you've got two. That's two there. That, that's more than enough. Now, here's the harder question. When was that word first used in the English language? I would About say it's quite, it's quite some time ago. I would say probably... 14th century. Oh, Moira, you're right again. Superb. Excellent. Yes, first known in the 14th century. And I'll give you a couple of other 14th century words if you like. See, abyss. How about that? To be in an abyss, an acolyte. Or did I say acolyte? I meant acolyte. Acolyte. Fluent. That's a, an interesting word. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Captain. Cataract. Now, who would have thought that a cataract was identified in the 14th century? We will stop. We will stop there. Certainly and certainty, both 14th century words as well. So I laud Merriam-Webster Dictionary for the wonderful collection of 14th century words which can be found there. And they include the word caustic and the word catholic. And the word cattle. Did I say cattle? Anyway, there we are. There, there are plenty of words that, in fact, the more I look through Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the more I think, well, are there any words in the English language which weren't uh, from the 14th century? Well, back to you, Moira. Thank you, Paul. It is the time when normally we have Mr. James Finnegan here, but sadly he's not with us this week. So it's down to me to entertain you for the next 10 or 15 minutes. And this week, I have chosen the somewhat hairy, hoary subject that's very much in the news today of artificial intelligence, or AI. Now, there's three AI things that I'm going to talk about. The first one is the use of AI in speech preparation. Second one is the use of AI in analysis. Well, actually, it's the second and third one, but I'm going to introduce you to two bits of software which you can use to analyse your speeches. But let's first of all look at using artificial intelligence to prepare a speech. Now, I've done a couple of experiments with this. I took an old speech of mine. The speech was about the operatic soprano from the 60s and 70s, Maria Callas. It was one of my favourites, by the way. I took the speech, which was an informational speech, and I gave that to AI and said, rewrite this speech and make it sound better. So AI went away and, yeah, it did it okay. It 
produced the same speech, but a little bit better constructed, let's say. But it wasn't really my words, nor my, my style, let's say. But the information it produced was, well, because it was based on the words that I had written. So, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I then thought, well, let's have some fun and let's ask AI to rewrite it in the style of Oscar Wilde and make it humorous. It was really very good. I would love to give that speech again <laughs> using that script. Again, it used the same words or the same information that I had put in the original one, but it gave it twists and it gave it a lot more humour, a lot more enjoyable to listen to. So that's one aspect of AI. The next one, and is one that I used in my last speech, which actually we'd be looking at a bit later as well, uh, and that was to say to AI, go ahead and write me a speech on this subject. OK. AI went away and wrote me a speech. It was pretty awful. It was pretty dull. But there were two paragraphs in it which actually got to the core of what my speech was going to be about. So I took those paragraphs and I incorporated those two paragraphs, about, I don't know, 40 or 50 words altogether, into my speech. I changed it a little bit. I changed the wording a little bit to be more conversational, a bit, a bit more Moira O'Brien. But the essence of it was AI. And the bit before the speech, that, that those two paragraphs, and the bit after was all me. There was no AI used. So that was quite useful. Now, I did ask uh, Mr. Omani, sitting opposite me, if he could recognise what parts of it were AI and what parts were not. And I'm glad to say that he did recognise correctly the two paragraphs that were in question. So you do have to be careful about how you use AI in your speech preparation. I would recommend that you take the words and you rewrite almost completely using your own language and your own words. So that's one use of AI. And I think it's a use that I'm going to make use of considerably in the future. Not only to help writing speeches, but also to give me ideas about speeches that I can use. The next thing that I'm going to show you is, or not to show you because I can't, but it's a bit of software which is actually available to anybody. Now, I'm not sure if it's anybody with Zoom or is it only available to those with a paid account. I haven't actually checked up on that. But it's called Read AI. And what Read AI does is it records your meeting and then it analyzes it. This can be very useful if you're in a meeting where you need to take minutes. It can be very useful if you're in a meeting that you want to get a summary of just to get somewhere you know, on written down the gist of what was said in the meeting. And it can also give you information, for example, on the attention given by individual members in the meeting. What would your attention score, let's say, overall of everybody in the meeting? And there are various other metrics that they measure. So if you go to Read AI, yeah, it is www.read.ai, read.ai, interestingly enough. So that's well worthwhile looking at. I've used it three or four times so far. I use it when we're recording these podcasts, and I find it very useful. I could even use some of it to 
put into social media posts, for example, because you get this nice condensed information in a summary form. The last one that I'm going to talk about, this is software which Toastmasters International has made available for us. And this is called Udly, Y-O-O-D-L-I. In order to access Udly, you need to go to Toastmasters International, click on your homepage, which I'm sure by now you will have discovered if you click on your name up in the top, that then gives you the choice of a, of a homepage. Click on that and then go down towards the bottom of the homepage and you'll see a link to Udly. Now, I think that's the only way that you can get directly connected to it. I uploaded today a speech. Well, I'm going back a step. I recorded, for my own purposes, the speech and the evaluation. And I uploaded the speech and the evaluation. And then, of course, I found that the information that I was being given back, the analytics, the word choice, the delivery, etc., was all including the person who evaluated me. I don't want to know how well or badly the person who evaluated me spoke. I want to know how I did. So I took it down and I chopped the evaluation off and I uploaded just the speech without an intro and without anything after. Now, first of all, it will transcribe the whole speech. And it's pretty accurate. It, it struggles a bit with some names. For example, I became Mara <laughs> instead of Moira. But there we are. You know, names, you can't expect it to be perfect. But generally speaking, everything else was pretty accurate. Now, the second thing is you can go to the speaking insights. And the first one is the analytics. I can look at word choice. And when I click on word choice, it gives me about four or five options. The um counter, filler words in other words, the top keywords, the weak words that I used, what could have gone better. In this speech, apparently, I only used one filler word, which was like. But in actual fact, <laughs> the, the use of that word, like, was not as a filler word. It was as a comparison. Now, I can click on a play and it will immediately take me to that point in the speech and it will play that bit of speech back so you can actually see your use of that word and in fact I said it's something is part of our evolution like the fight or flight fight or fight gosh tongue twisted flight or fight response so the word the use of the word like there was allowable let's say is not a filler word. Then it gave me the top keywords of the speech. Now, as the speech was about emotional intelligence, of course, emotional came up seven times. Changed came up six times. Understand six times. Way came up six times. Work came up six times. And the letter number one, one, came up five times. So that's fairly interesting because you don't want to repeat too many words unnecessarily, but obviously as the speech was about emotional intelligence, inevitably the word emotional was going to be used regularly. It also gave me weak words. And this I find very interesting because the words that uh, they give me were just, well, very, you see, believe me, really, so, exactly, actually. And again, it highlights in the script of the speech 
the transcribed speech, it highlights everywhere that these words were used. So it's very easy then to go through and edit your speech to improve the language. There is one more recommendation they made, which is non-exclusiveness. They said gender non-exclusive. Ladies and gentlemen, well, I'm old-fashioned, I'm afraid, so I'm not going to stop using the word ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm not going to say ladies and gentlemen and LGBTQ+, plus, etc. Ladies and gentlemen, it's all-inclusive, as far as I'm concerned. So that's it. Udly, read.ai, and, of course, using AI like ChatGPT or other AI assistance apps in order to get ideas for your speech and to get ideas for the contents of your speech as well. Paul, anything you would like to add before we wrap up? Just in, in relation to Udly, which has been provided, if you like, free of charge to all members of Toastmasters. I've heard lots of people say Udly is fantastic. You should definitely use it. I think that the best place to use Udly is in your kitchen when you're practicing what you're going to communicate rather than using it during a meeting. I think that Udly is worth playing around with to see what it'll give you, but it could very easily give you the impression that what Udly will give you something that is more useful than a human being. And since you're going to be talking to human beings, when you're communicating, rather than talking to machines, you, you may be better to pay more attention to the evaluations which you receive, because they're coming from a human being. And what I mean by that is that, for example, usually will pick up every unnecessary sound that you make, all these ums and ahs, but maybe your evaluator won't. And maybe your evaluator won't notice those ums and ahs. And maybe you'd be better paying attention to the content of your speech, the quality of your content, rather than your ums and ahs and your... Okay, let me stop you double. there, because that, that's a good, a, a good point, that UD does not look at the content per se, it looks at word choice rather than how the speech is constructed, etc. And I agree, yes, listen to your evaluator on that. But your evaluator is not going to give you the bit that I missed, which is delivery. It gives you what went well, in this case, pauses and smiles. What could have gone better? Eye contact. Apparently, I only had 25% eye contact, which surprised me. Uh, it also gave me something I, dis I disagree with. Is um, It said I was off-centred. Well, actually, I am high in the screen rather than what they want because I'm a photographer and I know that uh, the positioning, correct positioning is for the eyes on the top third of, uh, line of the screen. So I didn't pay much attention to that. But the other interesting thing, which I didn't know precisely, and that was the pacing. I spoke at 119 words a minute, which I found very interesting. I thought I spoke a little bit faster. The other thing it gave you is a graph of pacing. So you can actually see how your pacing has varied over the course of the speech. If you see a very straight line, then you know you are talking without variation. 
So that's uh, just a, a few things that I did miss. But generally speaking, I would say, yes, use it as a rehearsal aid, very much so, especially if you're going into contest. But also use it to analyse your actual production, let's say, when you give your speech at your club, because it will give you useful feedback. We've gone on far too long. I apologise for that. But <laughs> Let me just chip in one last thing. I'm not half as interested in performance as I am in content. So frankly, I have no interest in knowing what speed I speak at. I have no interest really, I have to say, in the number of ums and ahs I use. I am interested in improving the content. And that's the thing that matters most to me. And that's the reason I'm skeptical about you, Lee. Now, I understand your enthusiasm for it, but it... on. on Well, I've lost Paul. I think he's gone offline. So that's a good opportunity for me to bring this show to a close. I hope we'll see you again next week when we will be bringing you another interview. But for now, it's goodbye from myself, Moira O'Brien, and from Paul O'Brien.